April 2nd, 2003. Mediocre marketing executive abandons his profession and for reasons known only to himself, decides to become a horror movie podcaster. But podcasts did not exist then. This young man held tight in an undisclosed cave for several years, reflecting upon his childhood horror favorites, recording all his detailed thoughts in a massive binder. He has now emerged and is ready to talk. Hello, everybody. We're back again for a new episode. We're going to be talking about Friday the 13th, part four, the final chapter. So this week, we're back to just the two of us again. That was a slightly different dynamic than we had last week. Just a little bit. Hopefully you weren't too freaked out by that. Or maybe they loved it. <laughs> we'll see. It's getting some decent downloads if uh, these stats mean anything. I mean, you'd only met Chris once before that, right? Yeah, only once, but I kind of knew what to expect as far as personality goes. Right, so you weren't too freaked out by him. <laughs> no. Yeah, let me see. What else? So it's it was a couple of firsts for this show. Just a couple words about last week. That was our first guest. It was our first almost hour-long episode. First time we had a couple shots while we were recording. Crossing all sorts of milestones. Very impressive. Yeah, but it was a fun time. Um, I thought the conversation went pretty... It was pretty unique. I would say, though, that the show more resembled like what a traditional podcast would look like, where you got like a couple of guys or a couple of guys and a girl, you know, just there talking about movies for the whole length of the podcast. We're not we're not typically like that exactly, but it was a fun change up. And it probably set a record for profanity. Oh, yeah. Without a <laughs> doubt. Yeah. The funny thing is, is when I was writing the show notes for the directories are going on, they have that little area where you're describing the show. I meant to say something like. Mark this as double explicit or extra, extra profanity, something like that. Yeah. You see, I tried to tell Chris before we started recording, it's not about how many F words you're trying to cram into a minimal <laughs> amount of time. Yeah, so what's <laughs> the deal with that not so hidden item on his belt? Oh, the old nine millimeter. Well, if by nine millimeter, you mean gun, then yes. It's funny because I've been around him enough times that I don't even notice that anymore. I know a lot of cops carry their gun when off duty, but yeah, with him, it's like, everywhere in his own house you know i think he's safe in his own house or in his in-laws house you know where we were last time he's probably gonna call up and say hey what the fuck are you talking about or he'll just be like it wasn't a nine millimeter it's a 40 caliber anyway and i asked him if he wanted to do it by the way i know last time when i introduced him i said he was begging to be on the show we had talked about i knew he was coming to visit like a week prior to that and he brought up the podcast we were just talking about that a little bit so i was like yeah you know if you want to be on one we can set one up and i knew he was a big fan of texas chainsaw so i just suggested that one and he's a big fan of our podcast absolutely number one (laughs) fan so it was a no-brainer so anyway yep enough about last week we have uh today friday the 13th part four on the schedule which is actually our second time doing it because like a idiot i deleted the last one (laughs) It's... They're going to miss all the Super Bowl talk. <laughs> yeah, we spent like the initial 10 minutes of it like talking Super Bowl because we did it literally on Super Bowl Sunday. And what happened was we got done. I just never saved it. I didn't delete it. I just never saved it. And the computer like decided to restart itself. And sometimes it'll save your work. Sometimes it won't. And of course, this time it just didn't. So yeah, our second time going through this. So it's not going to be exactly like last time, but uh you know, we're definitely not talking Super Bowl anymore. <laughs> but hopefully the magic will still be there. I think so. In the podcast. <laughs> 
Um, but now we have, so with Friday the 13th Part 4, we now have a representative from each of the big three slasher films. Um, I can't see doing too many Friday the 13th because they really are like the most basic formula with a no personality killer and not too much distinguishes them. I mean, you could say, remember the time Jason put the person in the sleeping bag and whipped it against a tree or when he first got his mask or, in, you know, wasn't it his mom that did the killing in the first one? But, you know, other than that, there's just not too much distinguishing this. Um, but I will say I have seen these movies on a more regular basis than the other two big three series. I think just because, like, in general, none of them are good, but it's the kind of thing you just put in the, on in the background, especially the month of October when you just want to play something, you know, very horror movie-esque for that time of month. And you can just sit back and rewind, unwind. And speaking of mask and no mask, Jason, I actually used this in a presentation a couple of years back when I was um, a sales rep before I got this current role. We had to give examples of what gave us inspiration to sell and what things we used to help us sell. So they say that helping to understand something or finding inspiration to do something always helps if you can think of a personal interest to associate with that. And that'll make it all the more easier. And I never knew what the hell that meant. I just never understood like how you can correlate a personal interest with something you're doing work-wise. I just never got my head around that. It's just like I think of something I like and it's just like, okay, I'm thinking of it, but it's not helping me do my work any easier. And even in the movie Tommy Boy, they actually they actually have a bit about this. Chris Farley, he was a struggling sales rep who kept screwing up each time he went out to a customer visit. Um, he'd do anything from like messing up his prepared lines to setting a customer's desk on fire. What he eventually came up with was buffalo wings. David Spade pointed this out to him that every time he thought of buffalo wings, he would just get like much sharper minded for some reason. And instantly he became a high level sales rep. I could get one hell of a good look at a T-bone steak by sticking my head up a bull's ass, but I'd rather take the butcher's word for it. <laughs> bull's ass. That line from Tommy Boy. Um, and I love that line, by the way. Of course, you know, this is like at a previous job many years ago. And of course, I changed it up ever so slightly. I would say I could put a piece of junk in a box and slap a warranty on it. But the fact of the matter is it's still a piece of junk. Um, of course, the real version is I could take a shit in a box and slap a warranty on it and so on. Yeah, so I never used the actual one. Maybe once, then I got fired. Yep, those are two great lines from the great Brian Dennehy, who played his dad in the movie. Uh, but in regard to using Friday the 13th, like in a work scenario, you might wonder how I tied that in. A few years ago, our manager at the time told us, we'd be having an internal sales conference to bring examples of things that would either help motivate you or help you sell. So when it came to my presentation, we did a PowerPoint and let's say we've released a product 10 years ago and now we have a different release every year. I feel like the product didn't really get good until its fourth release. And therefore Friday the 13th part four as my favorite one in that series, my mind connected these two products unrelated to anything else besides the fact they're number four and that they were like, you know, the best in their series, I just connected them. And somehow I would get more excited about selling that fourth product and so on. So at the conference, I flashed up a picture of Jason in the PowerPoint presentation um, with his mask and without his mask. And without the mask, I said, look at him, look at his face. He slouched down. He doesn't look very confident. Now with the mask, his stance is much better. The shoulders are back. 
He looks more confident. He's got his weapon. He's ready. Just a better look. And um, I'm actually going to take that and I'll put it on the Facebook page so you can see what I'm talking about. But I remember the marketing VP sitting there with this look of disgust on her face. She had no clue about these movies. She just saw like this horrifying image of Jason. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no wonder. How old are you? (laughs) Then or now? That was like three (laughs) years ago. And of course, that was before I became manager myself. And back when I'd take some liberties where I could. So now I have to set a more polished example. Yeah, and of course, this is after you got tired of marketing and disappeared into the cave for years. Oh, of course, yeah. (laughs) And don't even try to do the the timeline on that. You're just wasting your time. I guarantee it won't make any sense. Much like the timeline of the Friday the 13th series. Um, Oh, you know what? I mentioned Brian Dennehy a little while back. And I also had a trip to Dallas a few weeks ago. And I had told my staff about one of Dennehy's very early roles going back to 1978. This came up when I was down there because, of course, you know, you've got like that, um, the show Dallas and the South Fork Ranch was nearby where we were staying. And so, you know, he appeared on that first season of Dallas as a bad guy. And I was, I was thinking back to it. I couldn't even, I couldn't believe like something that serious could be shown on that back then. Um, I had caught up with the series like during the COVID era. And if my memory serves me correctly, there was also like a hurricane going through in that in that episode. It was either the last episode of 1978 or like the next to last one. But um, JR and Ray were on a business trip down in Waco and they picked up a couple of prostitutes. And they have to hightail it back to Dallas Ranch before the hurricane comes. By the way, I always loved an old 80s TV series where the backstory was with a disaster was impending, such as like a building fire or a blackout or whatever threatens to disrupt everyday life. So anyway, they have to leave hastily. They just grab their boots and their cowboy hats. They wave goodbye to the prostitutes, get in the car and take off as they bask in the fun they just had in Waco. But it was stupid for two reasons. A, why would you leave two strangers in your room with your name tied to it? You know, they could easily trash it or use it for their own business purposes. Although I suppose back in 78, you could pay cash for a hotel, especially that kind where you pull up and the car's headlights are literally like two feet away from your main window of the room you're staying in. But the bigger problem here, B, is that in his haste, JR's business card with his name and address fall out of his pants pocket. And meanwhile, the two women that were tracked down by their husbands, one of whom Brian found them at the hotel shortly after JR and Ray leave, which actually strikes me as odd that these were married prostitutes. I think they tried to play it off like they were just there for a girl's night of fun. Maybe they weren't prostitutes. And of course, um, you know, they end up going back with these two guys. But, you know, one of the guys spots JR's card on the floor and then off to South Fork they go. So amidst a hurricane, a home invasion, and a very creepy scene where the two guys, you know, enter the ranch and try to ins- assault the women in front of the family. In fact, JR's wife is forced to trip down to her underwear and sing a Barbara Streisand song. And eventually after that, Jock and Bobby bust in to save the day. Oh, that's horrible. I know. And that's 1978 broadcast television. You know, and a- and this this episode was much deeper then, but even in that, but I can see how the show had such an impact on viewers back then. Uh, That JR, such an idiot. 
Man, I remember I remember one time. So are we going to get to Friday the 13th and keep babbling about this bullshit from 50 years ago? The irrelevance detector has been flashing for about the last 10 minutes. True. We did install both an irrelevance and boredom detector. So Friday the, four, Friday the 13th part four, getting back to that. So this was an anomaly in that I saw this movie not until recently. Uh, when I say recently, I mean like in my 30s. I don't know why it took so long to catch up with it because, um, you know, I had seen a few minutes of it here and there back when I was a teenager. But the parts I saw didn't make a big enough impact on me to watch it all the way. I guess I didn't, you know, see the right parts. But then when I finally watched the entire thing, it I realized like, wow, this is one of the best ones. It starts off with some flashbacks, as many of them do, to the previous movies. Most notably, I remember seeing Jason swinging from the noose outside of the barn, which um, he'd been killed right at the end of part three. And then there was a recap where, you know, they show parts of the second one, the teenagers sitting around the campfire, and those famous words, like the one guy is always like, I don't want to scare you, but Jason was never found. And then from there, you know, you see a bunch of mayhem, there's helicopters, uh, there's police, there's police cars and ambulances there, and the media are there, and you see them putting Jason's body on a stretcher. And next thing you know, he's brought to a hospital, and he's being held in a room where there's a mortician there, which shows the famous mortician eating his lunch, or he's eating like a banana, like right where the body is sitting, just to show how detached he is from his work. Jason regains consciousness shortly after and starts his streak of mayhem and crimes in this installment. So I could never figure out what exactly does make this one a cut above the rest. Not only did I notice that myself, this just feels like a better horror movie than the rest, but I think fans of the series generally agree that, yeah, this is the best one. Um, Of course, Jason Lives, the sixth one, it's kind of like a toss-up, but... All the others kind of have like a bland feel to them, and they just seem very similar as far as the rest of the movies in the series. Um, I think the dialogue is good, you know, as good as it can be for a movie of this type. The pacing is good. They filled it with eye candy, of course. There's a little more suspense than usual, and uh, the scenes just look really good, just well-directed. Uh, I think it does a good job of allowing you to get to know the characters and see a bit of their personality without getting too much involved. They give you a child hero, Corey Feldman, who was the brother of the female lead, um, who makes it to the end, and he has an obsession with horror movies himself. He's got lots of scary masks in the room, and he happily shows his sister's boyfriend. Um, That guy, incidentally, was just kind of like more of a mysterious add-in. He wasn't so much her boyfriend, but just some guy that, that randomly appears, a stranger looking for his lost sister, who evidently got killed by Jason either in earlier in the movie or in a, in a previous Friday. I can't remember which. But it's very cliched 80s horror film, too. Um, there's a set of twins that are introduced to the group that will be camping there. Um, they just randomly cross paths with them. They're riding their bikes through the woods, and then, bam, they find the group. And then two minutes later, everybody is skinny dipping. And the twins, are, it's funny, they synchronize them together in the water so that they're both like diving together and they pop up naked out of the water together all very clever so there was a lot of typical um 80s cheesiness in this movie there was a lot of slow motion type stuff which was very 80s and 90s and action movies and horror movies they don't really do it at all anymore i don't think but you'll see the typical things like somebody gets pushed through a window 
Um, I think both a girl and a golden retriever get thrown through a, a window in two different scenes. Wait, a golden retriever gets thrown through the window? I think <laughs> he jumps through the window with glass flying. Oh, yeah, that's true. That makes more sense than somebody actually throwing the dog through the window. But um, And, of course, at the end, a young Corey Feldman hacks away at Jason with a machete in slow-mo. Which, by the way, that part of the movie was just kind of moronic. I mean, he shaves his head, and I guess the idea was that he would he would mess with Jason's mind to make him think that he's looking at himself as a child. Feldman just kind of freaks out, whacks Jason 50 times with a machete. It was definitely memorable and an impactful scene. You can get around the fact that the machete would likely just have bounced off of Jason's body and not done much of anything. And also there was another recognizable actor in the movie um, from the 80s, Crispin Glover. This guy must have never received a role he was proud of. Uh, He played Marty's dad in the Back to the Future series. Biff, get your damn hands off her. (laughs) I do love that line, though. Uh, He he played one of Sean Penn's wimpy friends in a movie uh, at close range, which was a true story about a criminal father played by Christopher Walken who attempts to kill his son and does kill his friends because they all knew too much about his crimes. This happened about 20 miles from here in Westchester back in the 70s. Yeah, I know Westchester. I used to drive an hour to get there back before COVID to go to work. Yeah, definitely. Um, So it's a very local thing. I've always wanted to look into that a little bit more just because it is so local. And I mean, of course, it happened years ago, but still, those guys were just insane. Um, so Crispin Glover in Friday the 13th 4 he plays the same dopey character with the same delivery as usual whose final words are hey anyone seen the fork screw can you predict what happens next who couldn't yep sure as his hand is resting flat on the countertop right at that moment Jason appears out of nowhere pins his hand to the countertop with the corkscrew and as if that wasn't enough he pulls out a butcher knife and buries it right across his forehead. And he still wasn't done with him. You would later see Glover standing in a door frame, so it looks like he's, he's actually standing there alive, but it was only because Jason had pinned his hands there with some kind of knives or something. Hmm. I thought that was just a teensy bit of overkill. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. That's what I'm talking about. People have this softer image these days that Jason's not such a bad guy, but they forget the true extent of his crimes. You see, like, at these Monster Mania, these horror con type shows, they will have the actor there who played him, and, like, you know, people are giving him a hug as if Jason's just this lovable, misunderstood guy. And speaking of Monster Mania, that's coming up here in a couple of weeks. We actually, they actually do, it's a horror con. I don't know if they do this in other parts of the country. I think they do have horror cons, but here in... Uh, not far out of Philadelphia, across the bridge in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, there's a um, an event they do every every March. So you got your normal, typical cast of characters. There's some guys that are just always there, like Kane Hodder, the guy who played Jason in the later series. He often was there. I don't think he's going to be there this year, but um, you got some other good ones. I've seen, who did I see? Stacey Nelkin from Halloween 3. Got a picture with her. It's great because sometimes you can just walk up to these people. If if they're not as popular of a character, they may have nobody standing there. And you can just talk to them and just bullshit for, for as long as you want. And I'm trying to think who else I might have done that with. Um, Bill Mosley. He's been, he played, uh, he was one of the weird 
family members in Texas Chainsaw 2 that we mentioned briefly last time. He had the steel plate in his head. And where the skin was attached to it, he was like picking it off with a coat hanger and eating it. <laughs> You've never done one before, have you, a Monster Mania? Nope. Have not had the pleasure. Care to do it in a couple of weeks? Uh, maybe. I'll uh, see how the schedule is. Right. You just never know what you're going to come across there right. and what kind of weirdness. <laughs> the problem with these things is that they're just always so packed. Um, and because like they didn't have them at all during COVID, I think they just became even more insanely packed with people when they finally did start happening again last year um you know you got people from all over coming out to them and it just gets to be a little overwhelming but you know if there's something you want to go there for specifically like an actor you want to see i think there's going to be some stranger things people there and there's going to be like um who else i know oh yeah well funny we should be talking about friday the 13th because amy Steele from the second one is going to be there and uh, who was one of the other famous Adrian King? Mm, <laughs> yeah. Namesake. Exactly. So you should go just based on that alone. Right. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. It's just like 25 bucks if you want to go in for one day. Uh, so with Monster Mania, you got that guy from Stranger Things, the stoner guy with the long hair who drove that bus. He's going to be there. Pass the duchy. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, he's going to be there, and I don't think anybody else from that series is. In fact, I still have one more episode to get through from that series. I've There's been a few times I was re- all set to watch it until I see that it's two and a half hours long. <laughs> well, you've had almost a year <laughs> to get to it. Yeah, and that's one thing, too. Like, these shows, it just seems so random that they bring them they they bring them back for the next season. It just never seems to follow a schedule, so I don't even know when they're available again. Like, to me, it just feels like it was released. But yet they've been out there and people have seen them. Yeah, well, you need to get on like Instagram and TikTok and get with like the discussion. Otherwise, you're just behind the loop. Apparently, I know. I'm. They're going to spoil the ending for me. Um. So, I think part of it too is though these these episodes being I don't know, two hours long, hour and a half. My attention span. You know, it's one of those deals where just the thought of sitting down and and investing that much time, I just can't get around. I'd rather there was just less shows, but no, more shows, but less time. Like if they went back to the same kind of format they had before, but they're all like an hour long and there's just more of them. I think I'd rather do it that way. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of opening up the uh, possibilities of what a TV show can be where it's like a serial movie almost um i don't know i liked it i was a fan right i know you're not the only one a lot of people did enjoy that part of it i think a lot of people were thinking that they weren't going to like the length of it but people did kind of seem to you know just adapt yeah well i think it's um the mark of a good tv show these days is whether it's bingeable and then extending the length of the show itself I think kind of lends itself to people just wanting to sit on the couch and not have to think about what they're watching next because it's going to be more Stranger Things <laughs> right yeah true and I guess if I really did want to like break it up I could I could watch you know an hour of it mm-hmm. and then resume it at an hour later but right. it's just like there's no neat point I think when you're doing it yourself you're sitting there you're just like okay I'm gonna stop it here I'm going to remember what I was watching and then, you know. <laughs> You're just um, a part of your time then in terms of generation. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? you saying I'm old. 
a TV show should be a TV show. <laughs> hour long, half hour long, that's it. None of this two and a half hour bullshit. <laughs> yeah, this isn't Seinfeld anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Oh, I can watch those all day long. <laughs> and I do. But, yeah, I know. It's it's good. I'm just like, and I, I do want to see it. I know that once I start watching it, it'll fly by because it always does. Mm-hmm. It's just seeing that two hour, 30 minutes there on the screen that length of time. But, um, yeah, I'll start early one day and I'll just like bang it out and then, you know. Before bedtime. Right. Before somebody else spoils it for me. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that pretty much does it for today. And that was Friday the 13th, part four, the final chapter. One of my favorites in that series. Um, next week, I think there's a good chance we might do a different Friday the 13th. Anything to add on that? Mm, no. <laughs> Okay, well, thanks as always for listening, and we will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Not Your Average Horror Show. As always, today's episode was brought to you by a big endowment from the Alliance to Fight the Perception that Introverts are Stuck-Up Assholes. 